Somewhere between the Orion Nebula and where you are now is the Runa system. A collection of a few planets, moons, and oddities orbiting a star that shelters the last humans in the galaxy. The Runa system was once part of a great empire that fell long ago to war and infighting. That empire left behind ruins, strange creations, mystical phenomena, and powerful technology. In the intervening millennia, a corporate alliance, a religious faith, and a new empire have come to take the old one's place. But amongst those behemoth groups, between those planets and moons, connected by ten faster-than-light jump gates, is something far more interesting. People. One such person is named Lady Juniper Blackbird, and she has been banished from the new empire. Juniper is a dreamblood, explorer, and member of the Blackbird noble family. She's been forced to leave her home in the new empire and head out to the edges of the Runa system, to a planet called Tristful. In the hopes of securing his daughter some help, Juniper's father gave her a letter of introduction to Father Oliver Rosewood, a preacher and doctor serving a town on the frontier planet. Even now, she travels through a jump gate towards the independent planet, truly alone for the first time in her life. On Tristful, Juniper hopes to get a new start, far from her family's support, and far from the rule of the new empire. Welcome to Diceology, an actual play podcast dedicated to telling you stories in an anthology format. We're here for the role-playing and the rolling. I'm your host, Dane, and with me today is... Natalie. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Today, we're going to be playing a game called Lady Blackbird by John Harper. Um, so I will not only be your host, but your GM as well. Natalie, who are you going to be playing today? I'm be- going to be playing Lady Blackbird, who is a banished noble um, from the Imperial planet of Palace. And she is on the run exploring um, and learning about the world around her. So, Cool, cool. So Lady Blackbird, um, it's a game that's a little bit science fantasy. It's a little bit steampunk. Um, I would describe it as very Star Wars influenced. Um, And we're going to be using it to tell this portion of our story. Um, And the portion is about the titular Lady Blackbird. So I'll talk a little bit about how the game works before we jump right into it all. Basically, as the GM, I'll present situations, and Natalie as the character, the the main character and protagonist, will um, drive the story forward by making choices. Um, And a character is made up into basically three parts. Keys, secrets, and traits. Um, Secrets are basically powers or abilities that a character can use once um, per session. Keys are kind of like alignments from D&D. They'll drive a character into taking certain actions, and they help them get uh, experience points, um, which is how they advance. And then there are traits, which are kind of like skills. They define what a character is good at or who they are and what they've been trained to do. Um, And each trait has a number of tags attached to it. And the way that basically works is when a character attempts to do something um, where the outcome is in doubt, um, so like... Natalie will never roll to just open a door, um, for example. Um, But if the outcome is in doubt, it's something difficult or there's danger involved. Um, I'll set a difficulty on a scale of uh, two to five, and Natalie will roll a number of dice equal to the traits and a number of tags 
um, that the player uses to try and accomplish their goal, essentially. So that kind of covers the basics. Natalie, did I miss anything big? I think you did great. I think that was very succinct. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> well done. Well done. But if you don't, if you don't completely follow because um, this is your first uh, time listening to an actual play podcast, or you've lived playing D and D mainly your whole life um, and haven't like branched out into like the indie tabletop RPG world, um, don't worry. You're totally gonna pick it up as as we play, and it's so much more about the story than like the distinct mechanics that we're using. So you are going to be right at home regardless. And we'll also go into more detail about specific rules when we hit them. I think that covers it, and I'm really excited, so I just kind of want to get in and play. Um, How do you feel, Natalie? Yes, let's do it. All right. So I think we kind of open on, um, on like the, like the kind of like a, like a, like a rattling sound. Like it's like if this was a movie, we like start with a black image and like there'd be like you kind of hear rattling, like kind of like the hum of being inside a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and as like we kind of fade in, um, we see a porthole and outside it, there's this like um, spiraling warp energy that is like very indi- uh, indicates like traveling between jump gates faster than light. Um, and below it um, sits a woman. Do you want to describe Lady Blackbird for me? Yeah, so <clears throat> Juniper is a woman in her early 20s. Uh, she's biracial, um, Caucasian, and African-American. She has long, uh, dark-ish, curly hair, um, soft kind of green eyes, and an average build. And cool. overall kind of just gentle features. Gotcha. So she's, um, what's she doing? Because like you're kind of in like a hold of like a like a freighter ship. Like this isn't a passenger ship. Like you don't have like a cabin or anything. Um, you just kind of have your like possessions, um, like a, maybe a bag or something kind of like next to you. And you're kind of just like in the hold. And every time there's like a jostle on the ship, you get jostled with it um, amongst these like large crates and, and things that this ship is carrying. You're about to like, um, I don't know what you're about to do, but you uh, over the intercom um, comes a voice from the pilot who you've been on the ship for a week because it takes a week to get between any two jump gates. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but the uh, the pilot and the crew have said barely anything to you over the whole week. And but they come over the intercom uh, to like just to say like, yeah, we'll be landing soon. Um, we're coming out of the j- jump gate in just a couple minutes. So uh, gather your things and um, get ready to disembark. Thanks. And like before you could like speak back, like there's like a click and um, you're alone again in the hold. Just out of curiosity, you've been banished. So what ha- what were you allowed to bring with you? Um, I was probably only... <laughs> able to grab a few different things. Um, I think probably a couple of my books. Let's see. I, I think I'm not sure if I would have been allowed to bring a gun. Fair. Your, your character sheet says you have a pistol. Yes. Um, but do you think you have it? If you don't, that's totally fine. And you can find a pistol pistol somewhere else, but. Yeah, no, I can't see them letting me have a pistol. <laughs> They're not so pirates. Think... They're not pirates. That's it. No. You haven't been marooned. <laughs> no. Fair. Okay. Um, so, you... so yeah, a couple of books um, 
and maybe like a change of clothes or something like that. Nothing special. Gotcha. Um, yeah. No money. Um, they just paid for your, your, your trip wherever you, you were going to go and then just were like, enjoy, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, but you do have, um, one thing you shouldn't have with you, but you do is a letter from your father, Lord Blackbird, Lord Hazel Blackbird. Right. Once someone's been banished, they're supposed to like have complete like severed ties from their family and like, but he probably uh, gave it to a servant who gave it to a servant who gave it to some boy on the street and paid them a credit um, to deliver mm-hmm. it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gave you a letter. Have you read it yet? Or I guess my question is like, it's been a week since the banishment is like, is Juniper like in like a calm place or still angry? Would she have opened it? Does she feel like too frustrated um, to do something like that? No, I definitely think there's a lot of emotions going on for her here because, um, you know, on one hand she is angry and she's angry at her government and uh, the people that her family are involved with and that she could be banished for trying to do the right thing um, as this young, just barely adult um, trying to learn. And so there's a lot of anger there. There's also a lot of fear because she's been probably very sheltered her entire life um, in this imperial, noble, royal place. Um, And so there's anger, there's fear, but there's also a sense of excitement because she has always wanted to explore and she's wanted to get off of her planet and she's wanted to meet the people that she is or was born into serving, I guess. Um, But I mean, this isn't exactly the way in which she wanted to do that. (laughs) Um, No, I can't imagine that this was the ideal situation. Yeah, no, it was, it was more like she wanted to go on like, you know, like a, like (laughs) what we might think of something like study abroad, like solo backpacking (laughs) trip around Europe, you know, like as you do after you kind of get to a certain point, but like, um, but there is, I guess that sense of adrenaline, especially when he tells her that she's about to land. Um, Mm -hmm. I think she can feel like her heart leap in her chest a little bit. Um, and she grips her things a little tighter and perks up. Um, and is is eager to see this new place and terrified and angry and um, <laughs> hopeful because of this letter that she has. Um, and so she's probably a little bit overwhelmed right now. Um, but I, 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 in conclusion, I would say that she has read the letter from her father gotcha. um, because there, there is that element of fear and, you know, having that, that um, symbol of a parent figure mm-hmm. with her in those words. She's probably clinging really tightly to those words, actually. Even if she and her father never got along exactly as well as maybe they could have, like, it's still right. comforting. So do you, like, so does, so do you, like, take a moment to, like, reread it as, like, this is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, just, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll read that letter real quick for you. Um, <clears throat> Dear Lady Juniper Blackbird, I write this now with a conflicted and heavy heart, but I wish you well. I hope that when you read this, you are safe and far away from Empire's space. I do not know when or even if I shall see you again, but hope that day will come. I worry for you. You were raised with all that could be given to you, 
a first-class education, training in the rarest bloodletting we could find, and whatever, whatever else you needed. It never crossed my mind that a day would come where you would be outside of my care. I never thought you would ever be alone in the Runa system. This letter alone is against the terms of your banishment, for I was to have no further contact with you unless the banishment was lifted. However, I cannot help but give a final gift. Enclosed is a letter of introduction to the father of the small town known as Copperidge. The man was trained in the healing arts for a year on Palace, in our family's academy. He earned the scholarship by directly sponsor as well, and we became rather well acquainted. That was some seven odd years ago, and we haven't kept up a correspondence, but my hope is that he will aid you. He is a good man, if a bit taciturn. Please take care of yourself. I will do all that I can to have your citizenship returned, nobility reinstated, and banishment lifted. Your loving father, Lord Hazel Blackbird. And uh, right next to it, there's inside the envelope, um, there's a smaller um, sealed note um, uh, addressed to Father Oliver Rosewood. Um, just curious. Did you did you read that one too, or are, or is uh, Juniper the sort of person who will not snoop that much? I don't I don't know if she's found it relevant to read. Like I think really what she's focusing on is like okay this letter is for me from my dad and like <laughs> this one probably says something arbitrary like hey this is my daughter like she's been banished like kind of just explaining the situation. So I guess she hasn't necessarily felt the need to read it because I think mm-hmm. she is anticipating that it just says something kind of simple. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Which may or may not be the case, but... Who's to know? You haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is the moment where there's, like, a big, like, like rocking sensation, and, like, through that porthole, um, like, the, uh, the, the, the blurred stars, like, they stop, um, and you find yourself... Um, the, the momentum that's been going on unceasing for a week has, like, stopped. And we get this, like... Um, really wide shot of um, this small uh, freighter ship uh, having come out of a jump gate, which is this like giant ring. Like I'm trying to think of um, like a size that like is that makes any sense, and it just doesn't. Like it's like it's um, these jump gates are like moon sized basically, but they're just like a like a ring of. Um, strange mechanics um and you can you can tell that they're probably doing kind of like a flight tower situation where like this ship is getting approved to have come out of the jump gate um and like i think we could see juniper like kind of rush to the window to see the planet to see tristful mm-hmm. Definitely. and tristful is um i don't know what what exactly what juniper was expecting but what she sees is uh, a planet with one massive supercontinent. And it's kind of like what if Australia or the American uh, West and Southwest were just like one continuous continent. So it's like there's a little bit of green on the coasts, um, but the interior is a lot of orange and brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pallas is a rather lush planet, relatively speaking. Um, right. Has Juniper been off world? Is this this is the first? Is this like a first time off world thing? I'm kind of imagining so. Yeah. Yeah. So is that a disappointment or is that exciting to like see some thing that's so? 
Um, it's, I think it's exciting in the fact that she can find a lot of beauty in it still. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, the type of beauty that like a desert has where it's like, yes, there's a lot of orange and rock and like all of that. But, um, it has a certain charm to it. And I think just the sheer fact that it is not her home planet is like exciting and it's different and like, um, and of course, there's a lot of fear there. I mean, mm-hmm. she doesn't really know how to navigate this type of planet, but that doesn't yeah. mean that she doesn't, that she's not excited to be there. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Sure. Ex- to be there, I don't know. But like, you know you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Making the best out of something not yeah. as great. So yeah. the ship that you're on um, uh, descends um, through the atmosphere um, and... I think you travel over a portion of the uh, a good portion of 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 this continent, um, kind of at an angle, like because you're you're in space, so you could you don't have to like you don't have to go across much. You can just kind of come straight down um, to wherever you're trying to get to, and so the the ship breaks atmosphere, um, and I think you're in a like a southern hemisphere. Um, but I have a question for you. What season is it? Like you guys are like, you're flying low over the planet and it is exactly kind of what you described. It's, um, orange rocks and, um, large plateaus and and buttes, uh, canyons. And when there is green, it's, um, really hardy looking pine trees and sagebrush Mm -hmm. and like the grasses that you run, that you can see from the ship because like the ship is flying low enough to like the, the force of it, the air, the um the pushback of the air is like blowing the grasses they're they're not green they're kind of a golden color um mm-hmm. and so you can see see what what season is it um down in this hemisphere um i'm thinking autumn okay cool um i bet that one's actually kind of hard to figure out that it's autumn i think it's process of elimination mm-hmm. you know um yeah yeah no okay so it's like this okay there's no snow like there's not a lot of <laughs> snow the things would be kind of green if it was spring um mm. like the summer would have a completely different like arid look so i guess it's fall question mark yeah um, and it's probably i mean like everything like i don't know autumn i'm not exactly sure of the climate of this place but might be kind of the most eerie looking too, or like almost threatening yeah. because like things are kind of dead, but there's not like any like snow. I don't mean, I don't know if there's snows no- here, but like it's, you know, cause like winter has its charm and like autumn doesn't some places, but in the desert, it's kind of like, uh, Oh, everything's <laughs> extra dead. Yeah. But everything's in a just brittle, extra dead. not that's, burnt way. Good. That's what I mean. Good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it takes a minute. Um, but after a little bit, you see a, like a mountain range coming up. Um, and then you see a town that you assume is Copper Ridge because the ship's making a beeline for it. And it is uh, aggressively small, especially by your standards. Two dozen buildings. Um, wow. Okay. And like, there's like a number of like, I guess you get closer and closer. You you come across um, more and more like ranching ranchers and farmers like so there's like places dotted um out so you imagine like the population of copper ridge is a bit spread out um because of um like essentially like who lives there so they need land and space not it it's strong word but the city center is yeah like 24 buildings 
And, like, the ship comes over it, and, like, I would definitely describe it as a very Western-looking town, like, from, like, a like a Western movie. Like, mm-hmm. wooden buildings and, and maybe some, um, like, Adobe-style buildings made out of, like, like a clay. Um, I feel like this is also clashes with, like, with the occasional, like, satellite dish um, here and there. And the fact mm-hmm. that they have, like, a landing pad for a spaceship. So, like, there's, like, something odd, kind of odd about it, but there is something really... Rustic? <laughs> Rustic, but also just old. Like, we sure. would kind of look at this place and be like, that's kind of got, like, an old architectural style today, right? Like, Right. Um, so, like, the, the ship lands and um, just a few moments pass before uh, the, 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 the bay doors in, in your ship drop open. And the crew of this ship, probably one of them, like, bumps into you and doesn't even apologize as they start unloading, like, crates and crates of mail um and there's a few people there to kind of greet them just a few like uh youngish like late teens early 20s um sort of people um Mm -hmm. who all have some sort of like insignia on them um and they're led by a woman maybe a bit older 30s um and she's got um pale skin with freckles and blonde hair and she's wearing kind of a like a desperado's kind of cap and like a big red duster um and she's got like a sword at her hip and uh She's kind of checking every crate as it comes down. Um, and looking at her makes like like the hair on the back of your neck kind of stand up. You kind of, you get off the ship um, and you watch her like slap some some credits into the uh, the pilot's hand and like they, they load up and they take off. Like just leaving you there. They don't say goodbye. They don't check on you. Like, oh, did you forget anything? They're just gone. Um, it's just over. Yeah, and you're standing there, um, and, like, this woman is, like, kind of, like, directing these all these crates, and you realize that these crates are just chock full of mail, basically, um, along with some supplies, clearly. Um, and she's kind of directing um, these people who clearly work for her um, to, like, just, uh, you know, like, take that down to the, to the general store, that one goes over to the saloon, um, like, that one goes back to my office, like, just kind of, like, doing that directing. What Wait, is I'm Juniper- sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, I want to clarify. Are we mm-hmm. talking mail as in armor or mail as in like letters? Mail as in letters. So Okay, cool. So something I was thinking um, like maybe chain mail or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. No, no. Um so something about the Runa system is that um planet to planet communication um is really difficult and only can be done between jump gates. And because different factions own different jump gates, um, it's really expensive or like a weird diplomatic thing to like mm-hmm. communicate between them. So most people send literal letters um, to nice. each other, planet to planet. Um, nice. But on planet, you can communicate um, a lot like you could pl- uh, communicate now with like instant voice and um, image messaging and stuff like that. So yeah so mail's being unloaded and uh this woman seems to be relatively speaking in charge at least of this current situation what does juniper do alone (laughs) (laughs) i um i think she's feeling like a little bit lost and confused because i imagine that in most times of her life, she has been told what to do and she's had Mm -hmm. direction and she's had someone be like, okay, you're staying here. You're going to this place. Or like you have this lesson at this time. And now it's just like literal freedom. (laughs) Um, And so I think she kind of takes a second and 
just kind of freezes because she's not really sure. Um, but this, like you said, this woman is kind of making her nervous just with mm-hmm. her presence. Um, and I think she, I don't think that she's comfortable getting in this woman's way. <laughs> um, so I think she's going to kind of just start walking towards town because she's not sure what else to do. <laughs> um, I think the woman kind of like, after a moment, like calls after you. Cause I can't imagine you're walking like super quickly. I feel like it's like one of those, like, no. I guess I'm going to walk sort of oh, moments. Yeah. Um, not, not a very assertive walk here. Yeah. Uh, she says, uh, miss, who might you be? Oh, um, I'm sorry. My name is Juniper. What's yours? Uh, Sheriff Flint, uh, Sheriff Delilah Flint. And she like offers her hand. Um, Juniper takes it and I think she's just relieved that someone is talking to her in a way that isn't aggressive or just like trying to get her out of the way. Yeah. Um, and she's like, it's nice to meet you. Um, uh, thank you. Thanks. (laughs) I don't think she really knows like the authority of this woman or like if she's kind of like in charge of anything that Juniper is supposed to be like, I don't know. Uh She's very, she's very uncertain and frazzled. (laughs) Yeah. So, so Delilah, she's like, uh, so what are you, what are you doing here? And she kind of like eyes your clothes and she's like, you're not native. That's certain. She's kind of like squinting, like trying to place where you're from. Um, um, Juniper hangs her head. Um, and says a little bit more quietly. I was banished from palace. New empire. Well, if you're not supposed to be there, you're about as far away from that place as you can get outside of going to Rennick, but hell, if you don't want to be bothered, this is pretty much nowhere, but it's, uh, it's my slice of nowhere, so don't cause causing any trouble, all right? Of course. We um... blooded need to stick together. Not be crossing each other. Let it. What do you study? Uh, she's like, flames. And you? Dreams. She, her like eyes shoot up, her, her like eyebrows shoot up at that. Because um, there are not many dream bloods mm-hmm. um, left. And she's like, my oh my. Well... People wouldn't take too kindly to someone reading their minds all, all about, so... I, I, I You haven't no... done anything wrong yet, but just saying. I want you to know that I have no intention of invasive practices on your people. I see. Well, that's good to hear. Very good to hear. Now, can I help you with something? Uh, Outside of the, the, the mayor, I, I, I kind of run this place so I could point you in a direction. Is there anything you're looking for? Um, and I think she realizes at this moment that 
she needs a place to stay, but she has no money. Right. So I think she was like going to ask for a hotel, but then she was like, <laughs> well. Um, and so I think, I think she just says, um, is there, is there like a, like a pub or a cafe or like somewhere to sit down and collect myself in town or? She's like, well, there's the pool hall, I suppose, but things can get a bit rough in there. Not exactly quiet. That that's okay. It's it's been it's been too quiet for the last week. Um, it'd be it'd be nice to be somewhere with a little bit of life. Well, and she kind of like points over her shoulder vaguely because it's a, it's it's a one street town, so like can't miss it. Uh, I'm gonna be, and she like points over to like a, a different building. And she's like, "That's my office. You need something? Don't hesitate. I might be out, but." One of the deputies might be able to point you somewhere. Nice to meet you, Juniper. Thank you so much, Miss Flynn. Now you have a nice day, and she kind of tips her hat and like walks off. Um. And so Juniper heads towards the pool hall with a lot more um, determination this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I so you you like you enter, and it's kind of and it's um. It's got like one of those like long wooden bars with like the mirror in the back and like all the all the bottles like placed on on high shelves. Um, and I think like there's a lot of like incandescent light bulbs without any sort of shades or um, light fixtures. There's just they're just kind of hanging by wires like over rafters and stuff. And there's like three beat up pool tables in here and like a few scattered tables. Um, and there's just like a bunch of rough looking people. Like you don't walk in and it's not like you're like, oh, everybody in here is a criminal who's out to get me. It's like, oh, these are rough people who live in a rough place. And this is like the one place to relax and everybody might be tired and stressed. So sure. if a fight happened here, that's not a big, that's not a big surprise, but it's also not like someone's going to mug you here, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think think like I mean I think she realizes that but I think she kind of sees this as an opportunity like um, I get or it doesn't really occur to her that maybe she would look super out of place like I think she's just kind of like look at me I'm in this new place like it's yeah. kind of rough here I, like I, I think everybody I, I turns to look at you though like yeah like I think everyone looks at you as you walk in like cause I'm sure you're wearing quote unquote traveling clothes but yeah. you're probably wearing more wealth um, than many of these people have, period. Um, right. So they kind of, like, stare at you as you go by. Do you, like, she, she go notices. to the bar? Do you... Um, I think... Yeah, yeah. She'll go She'll go up to the bar. I think she's going to go to kind of the end of the bar. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe to kind of the corner. Like, she doesn't necessarily... Like, she's noticed that, like, okay, yeah, people are looking at me, and I want to make as little deal of this as possible, draw as little attention as possible. Not that she doesn't want to, like, talk to anyone, but it's just kind of like... Uh, don't want to... You know, I am wearing a lot of very expensive clothes, and, um, you know... I don't know what could happen. And so she kind of goes to the corner of the bar and sets her bag down on the bar. And I imagine her bag isn't 
like a bag that's very personal to her. It's probably just like the sack that they give people who are being banished. <laughs> like fair. Um, and uh, is just gonna kind of try to sit there and take a few breaths and think about what to do next. I think the bartender comes up to you, um, and they are. So something that I I always think about is that because of where we're at in our culture, um, people who identify as like gender neutral and express um, very gender neutrally, um, mm-hmm. just because of the way our culture is, right now the vast majority of them are are young people, um, mm-hmm. and like this is kind of morbid and weird, but I am excited in a weird way to for the people who I know who are gender neutral or gender fluid um, for what they're going to look like when they're 50 or 60 because that's not a thing we like know super well is like what mm-hmm. what is like a 50 year something person who goes by Zay looks look like right? Sure. So that's kind of this person um, mm-hmm. uh, they've got suspenders on and like really pretty um, uh, like curly like silver hair like it it was black at one point and now it's very very silver um and like a really strong jawline um mm-hmm. and they've got like uh like tan tan skin like la- latino skin um mm-hmm. they kind of like lean over um and like can i can i get you anything what are you drinking today um what what wines do you have uh, they kind of look over their shoulder and they're like, a red and a white. Oh, oh, um, oh, right. And I think she, like, kind of realizes again that she doesn't have money. Like, I feel like this is, like, something she keeps forgetting because she's mm-hmm. always had it and it's never been a stressor for her. Um, right. Or even, did you ever pay? Was that, like, something somebody else did? Like, for yeah, you, you would yeah, come into yeah. a place, you would order something, and it would be paid for, but right. not necessarily even directly by you. Yeah, not necessarily. And so, I think she's like, oh, I, oh, that's that's okay, I'll just, you know, I'll take a water. They nod, and they kind of, like, <laughs> slide you in, and like, so, m- miss? It is miss, yeah? Uh, yes. Um... What are you, what are you doing here? And You're new in town, and well, I know everybody. And at this point, we see her, uh, kind of grab her hair and just like smooth it down, um, next to her right ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what we don't know about Juniper yet is that she has a blackbird tattoo behind her right ear. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just given to members of that noble family. And so she goes and moves her hair to hide it even a little bit more. Um, and she turns to the bartender and says, um, I'm just visiting, hoping to stay here for a little while. They look kind of confused. They're like, visiting what? You know someone out here? Actually, I do. Um, do you know a father, Oliver Rosewood? I know Rosewood. Everyone knows Rosewood. Rosewood's our doctor. Damn fine man. Grew up Where right here I... in... Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, Where no, might you find that's him? my bad. 
Where might I find him? Yeah. Oh, um... Well, do you have, like, a... I could update your map. So here's a question I have for you. Do you have, like, some sort of, like, small, like, personal communication computing device of some kind? Um... Because I bet they would let you have that, right? Yeah, I don't know, like... I might have had one that was, like, way niftier than whatever I'm allowed to have now. Like, yeah. um, it's probably closer to the equivalent of, like, a flip phone or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means in this universe. Fair, fair. Okay. So, <clears throat> you pull that out um, and put it on the bar, and they kind of, like, start fiddling with it a little bit. Um, and... Uh, I think so. So I think that there's like a it, they adjust it to from from the the new Empire network over to the Tristful network, essentially. And mm-hmm. I think the the whole aesthetic of the thing changes because the new Empire is like very obsessed with like very elegant, high art aesthetics. And out here, it this is like very like um, very blocky, very like clean. Like here's the information. It's extremely clear for you. Um, and there's like no real thought given to aesthetics beyond um, clean U- UI inter- interface on this. Um, mm-hmm. Useful, not pretty. Um, sure. And it kind of updates a little bit, and it like gives you like a map, a bit of a map of the surrounding area. So real quick, do you want to pull up? Um, so you see, do you see the map? Yes. Cool. Uh, there it is. Um, so. They point out, like, okay, so here's Copper Ridge right there. Mm -hmm. And then if you head out a little bit east and then a little north, you'll hit the, you'll hit Rosewood's Temple no problem. Mm. You see that there? Yes. Excellent. So you go there and you'll, you'll probably find him. (laughs) Hasn't come in today. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Um, and feel free to come back and spend a few credits next time. Thank you so much. What, what was your name? Sammy. Sammy. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I think she has, um, probably like some kind of ring. Like I imagine she has a number of like little accessories and, um, she, it's, it's not, it's not a super fancy thing by um like palace standards Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's it's still a nice ring and i think she just slides it across the bar and she's like it's all i have um i hope it's enough thank you so much for your troubles miss i can't accept this oh no please just just take it and she turns to leave oh wait Uh, hold on a second miss and like i'll take it and they put it in like their pocket and they like put like 30 credits on the on the bar and they're like change your change how about oh are are you are you sure it's it's really it's 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 nothing it's just it's just a ring it's just a little ring miss you're not going to make it very far out here without credits thank you and she takes them so I'm going to describe credits real quick um, because for money to work between systems, I think it really has to be like a very physical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so they're little chits of um have you seen um manufactured bismuth uh that gemstone i don't think so but i can certainly google it <laughs> so bismuth when it's been manufactured oh, gets see. this like crazy mm-hmm. iridescence to it and like this like crazy geometric pattern um mm-hmm. and so i think it's like you have like these like literal like i think you probably have like three big chits that are worth 10 each or something um mm-hmm. of this like iridescent like mineral that kind of that just represents credits um and i think it's kind of done by weight um if that makes sense uh-huh yeah, yeah. so yeah, you can take those, and you have a you have a map for now. That is, that isn't too bad. Mm-hmm. So, what's Juniper up to? Um, well, I think she she tucks those into her bag, um, and she's gonna head towards the temple on the map that Sammy showed her. Cool. So, like, you start off on this like dirt path, and like I think maybe you even see like the 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 sheriff Delilah Flint. She's like, out front of her office, like, doing something. Um, and, like, she kind of, like, waves at you um, as you, like, walk out of town. Actually, you know what? She's a concerned person. She is concerned about people. She probably, like, stops what she's doing and, like, as like as she notices, like, you're at walking out of town, um, mm-hmm. she kind of calls after you. She's like, Juniper, what are you doing? Oh, I'm headed towards the temple. You didn't strike me as the faithful type, honestly. Oh, well, I know Father Oliver Rosewood, or my my father does. I, I'm supposed to find him. I see. Well, just take that path, you know, um, head in the right way. Be warned, he's kind of a grumpy man, but known him all my life. He's a good one. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Have a nice day now. You as well. So I think you kind of like, you travel along this, this, this gravel path that like, it starts out as kind of a road and eventually definitely becomes a hiking trail. Um, Mm -hmm. That is certainly like, it's kind of taking you up a little ways. um, And taking you towards, let me see here. And as you're going, you start seeing these, like, like mountains, like, like you get up into the mountains a bit and there's this just kind of stunning, um, like, you know, in a, in that very rugged way that like the American Southwest and like the Australian Outback can be where it's like, yeah, this is beautiful. And everything is like, has a rough edge, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, yeah. And you're kind of walking through some, like, pine trees until you come across a small, a small building. It's kind of a cabin. It's kind of a, kind of a temple-looking thing. Um, it's all made out of wood. And it's, so it's this, like, small rectangular building. And it's, like, clearly made out of pine wood, um, which is what's around. Um, and there's this small porch, and it's kind of on short stilts off the ground. And as you approach there, um, the front door slides open. Um, and mind you, it slides open manually. Like, even back in town, the doors opened automatically. <laughs> um, okay, gotcha. But this one, like, slides open. And, uh, and uh, here's a quick question. 
What are you expecting Rosewood to look like? <laughs> um, she's probably expecting someone who looks a little bit more like her father. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, older, older man. Um, maybe, I mean, judging on this place, maybe a little bit scruffier, but um, definitely with a pretty dominant presence. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So the man who steps out is much younger than, than your father by what's your father in his fifties, probably. Cause if you're Late early twenties, yeah. yeah. Rosewood doesn't look even 30. Like he looks just a few years older than you. Um, I bet the surprise shows on her face. Yeah. And he's got this like long black hair. Um, that's like to his shoulders and it's kind of got like a wave in it and it's kind of shaggy looking and he's mm-hmm. a little scruffy, like mm-hmm. probably didn't shave yesterday or the day before, um, but isn't going to grow a beard. Like this is just either right. laziness or um, a lack of care. Um, <laughs> and he's, and he's, he's of half Asian descent. So um, he's got kind of an olive colored skin and like, he, like, kind of, like, looks, like, kind of, I'm not even sure he notices you yet, but he's got, like, a pipe in his mouth, and he's, um, he's smoking, and he's, like, pulling on boots and throwing, like, a big, heavy, like, uh, jacket on, and, which kind of makes sense because it's autumn, but it's, like, kind of a warm autumn day, and he's got, as you're walking up, he, he, like, straps a really long knife to his belt, um, and like shoves like a really old looking book in his pocket. Um, and then right as you like, actually like as he makes eye contact with you, he like slings over his shoulder, this, an old bolt action rifle. And, uh, what looks to be kind of like a handmade shield, um, that's made out of like some sort of like material, um, like, like a ceramic material and, and like sheet metal. Like it looks very hodgepodge together. And the sheet metal metal in particular is like, covered in like scorch marks and he uh kind of just like looks at you like makes eye contact um um is this like in a way that oh it looks like he's preparing to go somewhere or is this or is he like picking up his gun and shield and kind of like a defensive like maybe i have to fight way this is a very much a I'm going somewhere. Like he looks okay. very like determined, but this is not about you. Like right. <laughs> if it was right. about you, he'd probably be pointing the gun at you. Um, right. And that right. is not what's happening right now. Got it. Got it. Um, I think she's still not. I mean, obviously, this looks like this looks like a very self-determined person, but she's still like not quite sure if this is the person she's looking for. So she. She kind of takes a few hesitant steps forward, and she's like, um, excuse me, I'm looking for Father Rosewood? You found him. Um, my name is Juniper. I, I'm, I'm supposed to give you this letter, and she starts, I don't like, have rifling time through her for, bag. I don't have time for a letter today, miss. Um, I'm, I'm busy. Please, I understand you're busy. I, th- this is important. Is it more important than a Mustang? A Mustang? Oh, four-olders. A Mustang, yeah. Um, one of the old Empire's 
beasts or automatons, whatever you want to call them, but dangerous as hell have to be put down. Oh, well... So unless you want to come help me with that, I don't have time for you. I'll help you. <laughs> You'll help me. And he kind of like looks at you like up and down like... I don't think Juniper looks like a fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, please. Please, let me help you. Can you shoot? I can shoot. Alright, give me a second. And he, like, slides the door back in, and he, like, comes back out with, like, a really heavy-looking pistol. Um, mm. like six-shot revolver, um, but, like, heavier somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, like, hands it to you, um, but first. And she takes it, and it's not the type of pistol that she's familiar with, necessarily, um, but she's not uncomfortable around guns mm -hmm. like this. Um, and she kind of just examines it, and nods and thanks and waits for him to tell her what to do. All right. Follow me. And do exactly what I say. Juniper, was it? Yes, sir. No, sirs. No thought. Just... Just Rosewood is fine. Rosewood, okay. All right. Diceology is hosted and produced by Dane Fogdahl. Lady Juniper Blackbird is performed by Natalie Wilcoxon. Lady Blackbird was developed by John Harper. Soundscapes were created by TabletopAudio.com. If you like the show, please rate and review us wherever you listen. It helps us more than you know. And if you'd like to follow us, you can find us on Twitter at DiceologyPod for behind-the-scenes photos and updates. Thank you for listening to Diceology.